0: Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to talk about the pre-trib rapture. Yes, I've written a book on it called How Pre-Trib One," but I didn't take one word from that book. I just pulled up some scriptures and we're going to just talk about it. We're going to just talk about it from the heart here today. And if you have a friend that believes in the pre-trib rapture, please forward this to him because that's the point of this broadcast I'm trying to talk to people that have been taught, sad to say, that there is a pre-trib rapture. And I'm going to kindly and patiently, through the scriptures, show them that that is not true. It's not an exhaustive answer. It's just I threw some scriptures together here, and hopefully they will be able to see the truth of it. Okay, so the first question is, is there a pre-trib or a mid-trib? Or a pre-wrath rapture or something someplace that's going to save us by pulling us in the air so we don't have to go through the tribulation. And the short answer I'm about to show you in the scriptures, and I love you, and that is no, no, I'm sorry, but people that have well-meaning ideas and a good heart have just misunderstood and they have taught you wrong. And I'm going to show you some, not all, some of the things from the scripture. I'll also point you to get my book, How Preach for 1, for all of the answers. Okay, so first of all, a scripture. Amos 5.18 says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard pastors say, Oh well Jesus could return any time now, any day. He could return any no, well no no if the day of the Lord and by the way, Isaiah seventeen fourteen says in the evening he is in the morning they are not. So the day of the Lord is literally less than twenty four hours. It is one evening and morning. It's not even a full day. And so when it says it is full of darkness and not light, so until we see darkness and no light. Jesus can't return, not like they're talking about. Now, remember the word darkness, because I'm going to show you that some other scriptures. Then let's jump to the two sets of scriptures that most of the folks that believe in a pre-trib point to as absolute proof that Jesus is coming in the clouds to save us. First Thessalonians 4.16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trump of God. Trump. Now, remember that word trump. With the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now I'm gonna say and I'm gonna show you that those clouds are not white clouds, because those are dark clouds. Let me go back to Amos five, eighteen, earlier. Woe to you that desire the day of the Lord, to what is it for you? For it is not a day of dark light, but a day of darkness. So when he's talking about those clouds, they're not nice, white, cumulus clouds like you might think. They're clouds of darkness. If you go back into Genesis chapter 1, before he moved upon the face of the earth, there was darkness. So darkness represents eternity. And that's the reason when Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets, the very last Feast of Trumpets, when eternity enters into time, that's the reason the heavens appear to roll back like a scroll, because darkness, representing eternity, is entering into time. And that's when Jesus comes out of the darkness brighter than the sun. Now, let's go on. With the trump of God. Now, here's the next question. What trumpet is that? Is that the first? Is that the third, the fifth, the seventh? Uh, The answer is that's the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, You remember when I was memorizing the book of Revelation back in 2017, I heard an audible voice and it said the seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months and the seven vials play over seven days. So the seven seals, the last of those seals, is the seventh seal, the last of the trumpets is the seventh trumpet, and the last of the vials is the seventh vial. And they all play exactly on about or around the same day. So when it says he'll return with the trump of God, it's talking about on the last day or the seventh trumpet. Then we were alive and remained, should be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It's meaning to say that, The whole point of those scriptures is to say that not everybody dies before Jesus returns, and that is supposed to give comfort to the people. Not saying comfort because you're going to get sucked in the air and you don't have to go through any trouble. It's a misunderstanding. I understand. I'm a pastor, too. I understand when a little old lady comes up to the pastor and she's crying and she's scared because of revelation or a little darn little 13 year old girl comes up and she scares because of revelation. you want to say, oh, you don't have to worry about all that. You're going to go in the air before Jesus uh, before all this trouble hits. I understand. I'd like to be able to say that, too. But I won't say it because it's just not the truth. Now, let's go on to the next one. This is another one of the big scriptures for the pre-tribbers. First Corinthians 15:51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So he's talking about dying, and that's the point of the other one too. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye at the what? There it is, the last trump. That's the seventh trump. There's not eight trumps. There's not ten trumps. That's the seventh trump. We shall all be changed at the last trump. Now, the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. In other words, that's when the morning star hits us and out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And just that quick, we get faster than that, faster than the blink of an eye. We get all rewards. He said, my reward is with me. All rewards, our garments, our crowns, all our blessings, all in that same moment at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now, that's not changing diapers. <laughs> like I saw in one time in this nursery, it said, we shall all be changed. That's appropriate to have on the wall in a nursery, but it's talking about we changed. In other words, we move from the old body to the new light body, the body of flesh or the resurrected body to get a new glorified body or a body of light. And it happens at the seventh trump would have been so nice if all of the Bibles had just had the word seventh there instead of the word last. It would have helped a lot. All right, now, let's go to Nehemiah eight 18. I'm going to show you something you probably haven't seen before. Also, day by day, from the first day out of the last day, first day to the last day, he read in the book the law of God, and they kept the, kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was the solemn assembly according to the manner. Meaning... The seventh day is the last day of the seven days. Now, keep that in mind. Let's go to the next verse. Then we go to John six thirty eight. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise him up at the last day. It doesn't say I'm going to raise him up before the tribulation. It doesn't say I'm going to raise him up in the middle of the tribulation. It says I'm going to raise him up the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him hath everlasting life. And I'll raise him up the last day. That's the second time he said the last day. We just saw in the earlier verse, the last day is the seventh day. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up the last day. That's the third time he said the last day, which is the seventh trump at the very end. Then we go to John six forty-seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now, every time the Bible says, verily, verily, back to back, it's saying that it plays once then, but then it plays again. So the verily, verily is saying, this one is going to repeat. I say unto you, He that believeth on me have everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This, meaning speaking of himself, is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Meaning, if we believe in Jesus, we'll live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. In other words, him crucified on the cross, which I uh, is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, because they're, they're very carnal. They just can't see the spiritual meaning. Then Jesus said to them, again, here's another, verily, rarely. verily, 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 I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up the third day. What is that, the fourth time? Okay, four times. Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let a thing be established. This is four times it said last day. Then we jump to John 7, 2. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. So what Jesus is about to talk about here, 37 verses later, is talking about the feast of tabernacles. Now, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? I've got to scroll down here quite a ways to show you what I'm talking about. So there are seven feasts. There's Passover, Unleavened Bread, first fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. So they're on this feast. On the Feast of Tabernacles is the day that Jesus brings the new Jerusalem. Like John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for a husband and that's the new jerusalem this golden cube that is crystal clear clear as glass comes down and sets on the one and only mountain on the entire earth. The whole earth is a nice round, smooth ball at this point. Every mountain has fallen. Every valley is raised. The red places are made straight. The crooked places are made smooth. There's no more earth. That's when he arises to shake the earth terribly. So the earth is a nice round, smooth ball with no more sea. So you can be able to walk across Euphrates with your sandals on and not get your feet wet. In other words, that's how smooth the face of the earth is. Except there's one and only one mountain on the on the earth, and that is the mountain of the Lord just south of Jerusalem. And that is where the New Jerusalem, about 250 miles square. In other words, the six sides are about 250 miles each. And that is where his throne is in it. And if we're an overcomer, we actually get to sit on his throne out of his throne, pours out a clear water, water pure crystal proceeding from the throne of the Lamb. Okay, so now that happens here. Excuse me. Jesus returns here. That's when he burns the tares. That's when we get our glorified body. Ten days later is atonement. This is the judgment only of the dead. No one alive is judged here on atonement. Five days later is when the new Jerusalem comes down here. Now let's scroll back up. See if I can find my place here real quick. Okay, so let's back up to John 7 two again. Now the feasts uh, the, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. That's verse 2. Now we're going to skip down to verse 37. In the last day, the great feast, uh, the, the great day of the feast, the last day of the great feast, in other words, the last day of tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. In other words, receive me is what he's saying. He that believeth on me, and the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Means that by the Feast of Tabernacles, the feast of trumpets where the Gentiles, those washed in the blood of Jesus, get their glorified body. Ten days later, those people whose name is in the book of life then get their glorified body. Five days later, this is when, at this point, everybody that is saved is going to be saved out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. Then we jump down to verse 11, John 11, 17. And Jesus came. And he found that he had lain in the grave for four days. This is talking about the, the death of Lazarus. And Martha said to Jesus, now look how Martha says this. So obviously Jesus has been teaching Martha. And Martha is about to explain because what Jesus already taught her. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Okay, that's five times here. Now, Jesus didn't say that, but Jesus' teachings to Martha was what Martha repeated to him. So this is the fifth time it's confirmed that we arise the last day, and for the Gentiles, that day is the Feast of Trumpets. Then we go to John fourteen twelve. Now, in my opinion... These are the best scriptures in the Bible or in the Old Testament for showing that there is uh, well, explaining the, how the, the rapture works. John 1412 me John, job 14:12 "So man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. they shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. O that thou wouldest hide me in grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me to set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. And this is Job. Remember, the three most righteous people in the Old Testament was Noah, Daniel, and Job. This is Job. So he passed a really, really big test. He didn't get to avoid the test. He went through the test, but he passed it. So what does he say? Some man lie down. In other words, when we go to sleep, when we go to the grave, we do not rise until the heavens be no more. All right, when are the heavens no more? That's when the heavens roll back like a scroll. That's when eternity enters into the heavens. That's when darkness enters into light. And that's when Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets. So what it's saying is that when Jesus returns from the Feast of Trumpets, that's when the heavens are no more. And we shall not awake nor be raised out of our sleep until then. Now, yes, I know, I understand 5 days before then. Let me scroll down and show you this. 5 days before then, when Jesus returns here on first fruits, then he resurrects 140,000. Excuse me, 144,000. Then he walks around with them for about 50 days. Then on Pentecost, that's when we arise and go to the marriage supper of the lamb. Not 7 years before, okay? It is about 4 months until Jesus returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he goes to the marriage supper, of the lamb, it's not about us. It's about him. We only get a marriage, uh, a wedding garment at the marriage. That's all we get. And then four months later, we get a white horse to return with him. But however, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. He is given. Here's the groom. He is crowned king of kings and Lord of lords. He's given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood. And then he also is given a white horse four months later on the Feast of Trumpets, the grape harvested Armageddon to burn the tares with the morning star. Then 10 days later is atonement. That's the judgment of the dead, those people that never heard nor got a chance to hear of of Jesus. Five days later is tabernacles. That's when the Jews, or excuse me, that's when the uh, New Jerusalem comes down. All right, now let's go back. So man, light then, rise not till the heavens be no more. Meaning no one is coming out of that grave In terms of getting the glorified body, and he's about to explain that until my change come. See, we don't get a glorified body when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We get the glorified body, my reward is with me. We get that on the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles on the same day, just like everybody else. All we get when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb is just a wedding garment. We do not get our glorified body yet. We don't get any crowns, any mantles, nothing. Okay, Just a wedding garment. And I want to be there because I want to see my Lord change from lamb to lion, from prince to king of kings and lord of lords. That's what happens at the marriage supper of the lamb. So he goes on to say, oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave. In other words, keep me in the grave. That we keep me secret, secret until thy wrath be passed. Now, I cannot tell you many arguments about what is the wrath. Was that seven years? That proves if it's seven year tribulation, if that's the wrath and we don't get to go. We don't have to go through that. All right. Here's the answer. There's a lot of different verses, but the very, very best verse that puts it as simple as it can be is this verse, Revelation 15:1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up or completed the wrath of God. Now, the Bible says that we are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, Stan. That means we're not there. No. Psalm ninety one gives that answers a thousand shall fall by thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high of thy habitation, thou shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. In other words, those people, those Christians that are still alive, which are going to be very, very few of them at that point, but those Christians are still alive. The day Jesus returns, they'll see that morning star come down. As that morning star hits the the tears, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. Like a standard bearer faints. They literally just fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. Then as the morning star hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And in an instant, we get our rewards, our crowns, our mantles, everything, everything. Everybody, all of the Christian. Get all of the rewards, all in an instant, faster than you can blink an eye. So he says, hide me in grave, keep me secret until your wrath be past. In other words, gather you first the tears, bind them in the bundles, cast them into the fire. That's the wrath. So the wrath goes out, destroys all the evil. Then, and it matches with scripture, then we get our glorified bodies. Verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Listen, well, again, they're not talking about changing diapers. It's talking about getting our glorified body. So if you put it all together, it says, I lay down verse 12 and I do not rise until the heavens are gone. The heavens are gone. When the heavens roll back like a scroll on the feast of trumpets, when Jesus returns, hide me in the grave till your wrath be path. The wrath happens on the Feast of Trumpets, the same day, the same time when that that morning star comes down. And keep me in the grave until I get my change, my glorified body. See, they teach this pre trib rapture for one reason, you know, we want to believe we're not going to have to go through that. Uh, but let me just tell you, God is going to be with us. It's going to be okay. It might not be easy. Probably won't be easy. Probably be the biggest challenge of our life but God is going to be with us. Now let's jump to six, Revelation 16:12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial. Now remember, this is the vials. So it says the sixth vial, the vials play one every day. So this is the day before Armageddon. Sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water there was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. In other words, allow the kings of the east to come over, to come down to attack Israel where God is going to, or Jesus is going to burn them up. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles going forth into the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. What battle? That's the battle of Armageddon. When does that take place? On the feast of trumpets. It's the same day. So now here it is. This is the day before probably minutes, maybe even hours before Armageddon takes place. Hours before eternity enters into time, the heaven rolls back like a scroll. Jesus comes down and hits all of the tears with his morning star. It hits the whole earth. It goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord, of the whole earth. The, it, the, the hills melt like water running down a steep place. The channels of the, of, the, of the oceans are opened up and seen. I mean, the whole earth is shaking. And as that... Morning star hits the tear, they fall to the ground, pile of ashes and bones. As it hits the earth, the earth fires on with a glory, a glow that never, ever leaves it again. But see, the sun's been out for three days now. And as that glory hits us, we get our glorified body, all of our mantles, our crowns, our garments, our everything, everything, everything we're going to ever get for all eternity. At that moment, for us, we are eternal. We never die again, hunger at the end, thirst again. Never the sunlight on us nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed us and lead us into living fountains of water. And God shall wipe all tears from our eyes from that moment on. Now, this is moments before Jesus returns. He's warning them. This is the day before. Behold, it cometh a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Wait a minute. Who gets garments? Do tares have garments? No, oh, no, 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 no. Only the wheat get the garments. So that's really saying that there's Christians there. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but these are people who became Christians during the the tribulation. Well, if all of the Christians are gone, then why would Revelation 13 say, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on the right hand of their forehead. And then no oh, man might by ourselves say he had the mark, of the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, For it is the number of a man whose number is six hundred, three score and six. But notice the first words are, and he causeth. Okay, so if the the pre-trib rapture has sucked all the Christians off the earth, then the the, the beast has no contest. I mean, all the rest of the people are going to take the mark of the beast, no problem. Uh, He's not going to have to fight anybody. Everybody's going to go along with it. So if all of the Christians got taken off before the tribulation, why does it say he causeth? Why would he have to force them? He wouldn't have to force them. If Look, the only people, I'll say this again, the only people that will resist the mark of the beast are those people that have read Revelation 13, specifically verse 15, 16, 17, 18, or those people that believe it. And there's going to be a lot of people that read it and simply won't believe it. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus would never expect you and your children to starve to death. That can't be the mark of the beast. Go ahead and take it. I'm telling you, it's coming. Now, so verse 15 is saying, Jesus comes like a thief, and he's warning those people that have garments, that would only be the Christians, to watch, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. Now, the the next day, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now, now, here's the big verse. This is the big verse that, that none of the pre-tribbers understand. They, for whatever reason, haven't seen it. They haven't understood it. And this is one that is totally, I think this is probably the best verse to totally destroy a pre-trib, a mid-trib, or a pre-wrath rapture. Revelation 14.1. And since most of the pre have never even seen it or understood it, as I read it, I'm going to say probably your pastor has not explained it to you and you won't understand it either. But this is the biggie. Revelation fourteen one. I looked and lo a lamb stood upon the mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads. Now a pre says, So? <laughs> so? How's that do away with the pre Okay, here's how it does away with the pre-trib. When Jesus returns, the very last time, to what mountain is he going to return on? So I'll show you. Zechariah 14, I will gather all nations to Jerusalem to battle. The city should be taken with houses, rifled, women ravished. That's the city. Okay, we'll skip one down. And in that day, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives. Wait a minute. See Mount Zion up here? That's about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. Okay, wait a minute. So that's got to be two different returns here. That's correct. It's two different times Jesus returns. Because the next time he returns, he returns as a lamb. Acts one eleven says, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same, keyword same, this same Jesus shall return in like manner. Okay, so how did he leave? He left when the clouds came around him. He went up in a lamb body wearing normal human clothes. He let Thomas feel the nail scars that just had fish together. So that means that the next time he's coming down, he comes down in a cloud in a lamb body, not as king of kings and lord of lords yet. And he comes down to Mount Zion. Oh, really? Yes. Not the Mount of Olives. (laughs) He comes to Mount Zion. Wait a minute. You, you got that in chart? Uh, yes, I do. Here it is in chart. So when Jesus comes down the next time, it's the first fruits. And that's where he, and I looked and the Lord Lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai with him 144,000, having his Father's name written in their foreheads. Here it is. Then 50 days later, what are these arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, these are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. That's us. Then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we are served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We get to see Jesus' campground, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, about four months later. Then we get a white horse and we return with Jesus back along with the two other horses. I had one of the, the good, good brothers of the Lord come up and say... Okay if Jesus burns the people to the tares then how's it that the horses the blood rises the horse bridles by the space of 1600 furlongs I said you <laughs> you got a good question here's the answer because there's also two other angels that return with sharp sickles and they slash the grapes so Jesus burns the tares but the two angels slash the grapes that's the reason the blood rises to the horse bridles by the space of 1600 furlongs okay now let me go back up here all right okay so that, there, I made that point there. i got to move along here. I'm running out of time. Okay, let me show you one more. Let's go to Matthew 24, 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation, after the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, so it's talking about at the very end. So at this point, Jesus has not returned. After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. When does that happen? Well, that happens right here. The sun gets seven times hotter at the fourth vial. It goes out on the fifth vial. Sixth vial is when the Euphrates are dried up. Seventh vial or the seventh trumpet or the seventh seal is the day that Jesus returns. Now let's go back. After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. There you go. There you go. And when does he do this? drop down, and he says, at the sound of the trumpet, what trumpet? That would be the seventh trumpet. That's the truth, my brothers and sisters. That's the truth. If you're really looking for the truth about the rapture, I honestly believe you will find it in this book. The truth is the Holy Spirit knows the truth about the rapture. And one of the reasons that the people other than post-trib can't seem to find peace about this is because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them that they don't have the truth. That is, until they find post-trip. But either way, this is going to help you to find the piece about the rapture. I really recommend you get it. We offer them in shrink-wrap sets of 10. 1 for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call cornerstoneassetmetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you. Click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.